0: Is always right. Radio, on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Here's your host, Bob France.
2: Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you being with us on this Thursday, the nineteenth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. It's eight minutes after nine, and we are ready to go. We are loaded up today again, similar to yesterday. And apologies, we didn't have a ton of time for phone calls yesterday because we had so many important guests that we had to get information from. And today it's similar, but there will be a little bit more time. Coming up in a half an hour, we're going to talk with Cecilia O'Leary. She's an attorney for the Southeastern Legal Foundation. And the Southeastern Legal Foundation has put out a new legal guidebook, which they hope to distribute nationwide, for parents fighting woke education. We told you a lot of stories yesterday about just that, about how dangerous this was and how brazen they are becoming in our schools with our kids. And now there is a guidebook so parents can understand what, it's go- what is going on and how perhaps they can push back and fight back in their own school districts and communities. So that's 935 at 1010, as it is Thursday. We will talk with Dr. Everett Piper on the culture wars. His latest column for The Washington Times, Is a pre-born baby a human or isn't it? Because according to the left, it's not human. If it's not human, what species is it? The reason they cannot say that it's human, because if they acknowledge it's human, then they cannot kill it. It is some sort of non-defined entity until it passes through the birth canal. So apparently, according to the pro-abortionist, the pro-death side, if it's eight inches further up the birth canal, it's not human yet. If it passes through those eight inches through the birth canal and into open air, suddenly it's human. Dr. Piper is going to talk about that coming up at 10.10. And then at 11.10, more on the abortion fight, as the left has essentially used the abortion battle, the Roe vs. Wade leak, etc., to attack Christianity. Not just humanity, but Christianity. Why? is Christianity and the Crosshairs of the American Left and the Pro-Death call. Dr. Stephen uh, Ayakaboni is going to be joining us, and I'm guessing on the pronunciation of that name, he's an award-winning doctor, uh, and he writes for the Huffington Post. The what? Yeah, the Huffington Post, the far-left misinformation guide, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, uh, that you uh, see online or probably heard enough of online. Uh, So he writes for HuffPo, but he's an award-winning doctor and author, and he is exposing the atheist lies regarding science and faith and how the left is using using, uh, the abortion issue. Uh, to attack Christianity. So Cecilia O'Leary, Dr. Everett Piper, and Dr. Stephen Iacoboni are going to be joining us, and I look forward to hearing from them as I look forward to hearing from you at 216 and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. You may also, and I, the, a little memo here, <clears throat> couple of people had some problems recording their message for me on the alwayswrite.us page. On the sound off button, uh, they either had their microphone muted and didn't know it or something, because people are sending me uh, 30, 40, 50 seconds of silence. <laughs> and I can see that they were trying to record something, but they didn't know their mics were muted or whatever the case might be. So please make sure when you send something to me uh, via the always write, uh, US sound off button so that I can play it. You've got to make sure that your mic or your phone is not muted. All right, a lot of very important stories to get to today. And before we do that, let's start. With our pledge, patriots, please stand if you would be so kind, if you would be so courageous, if you would please face your flag if you have one. If you don't, that's all right. You go ahead and imagine one. Put your hand on your heart and join us. If you are a radical leftist, you are absolutely not expected to say this pledge. You have no earthly idea what this means anyway. If you're sad this morning because the disinformation governance board has been, quote, unquote, paused. In other words, destroyed maybe and the disinformation czar nina jankowitz has resigned her participation in any such board if that makes you upset if that makes you frustrated if you're happy that a new national record has been reached in gas prices if you're happy about that because it might move us a little bit closer to electric vehicles and an end to fossil fuels which would be an end to american civilization if you're happy about those things This flag is probably not for you. You are considered to be exempt from pledging your allegiance to it. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of
0: the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God,
2: indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, let us start there, my friends. The disinformation board, the disinformation Mary Poppins, the lunatic Nina Jankowitz, whose greatest claim to fame is being lunatic Nina Jankowitz, who puts videos of herself online that would make her mother cringe, that would make her children hide their faces in shame, that should make her, I don't know, a little bit self-aware. She is so embarrassing She is so ludicrous that there was supposed to be a Senate panel discussing the creation of this disinformation governance board last week. They had to cancel that meeting because the Democrats were afraid to put her up there to take questions from the senators because of her embarrassing displays online. You probably have seen or heard it. I have tried my very best not to subject you to the audio of Nina Jankowitz singing a Mary Poppins-like tune about disinformation. I don't want to focus on just her. It is rather comical, I will say this, that she waited until she found out that they were going to, quote, pause the disinformation governance board before she uh, went ahead and uh, submitted her resignation. <laughs> she resigned after the board was no more. Uh, but the ministry of truth, the Orwellian ministry of truth, as many of us have ca- have uh, dis- described it, uh, is no more—at least for now. In a statement yesterday, Nina Jankowitz, the disinformation expert who was supposed to lead the panel but was so embarrassing that they couldn't even put her up before the Senate to discuss this, these matters, wrote, "Quote: The board's work paused, in its future un- with the board's work paused and its future uncertain. And I have decided to leave DHS to return to my work in the public sphere." What that means, does that mean more Mary Poppins songs on TikTok? Is that her work in the public sphere? I'm guessing, yeah. The Washington Post reported yesterday that the DHS had decided to stop the board's work on Monday and Jankowitz had drafted a resignation letter as of Tuesday. I quit this board that isn't here anymore. That's what I, I'm going to do. She added that she is, uh, they added rather that uh, she had been given the option to stay. In some way with DHS, but she said, no, my work in the public sphere is just too important. Well, as you can imagine, this um, this raised some questions uh, at the uh, White House press briefing yesterday. And the new White House press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, did we mention she's gay and she's black? Got to make sure you know that. Because she wanted to make sure you knew that on her very first appearance at the podium. I am a black gay immigrant. The first of all of those categories. The left made sure it was in the press conference announcement. The White House did, rather, which is the left, that she's the first openly gay and the first black full-time press secretary, presidential press secretary. That's just super. That's dynamite. So in case you know didn't know, the person about to answer Peter Ducey's question is black. Did that change her answer? I hope not. The person about to answer Peter Ducey's question about the disinformation governance board likes to sleep with women. Does that change her answer? I would certainly hope not. She's an immigrant, too. Does that affect your answer? I wouldn't think so, either. So why do they tell us at every turn? She's openly gay, she's an immigrant, and she's black. Oh, I know why. Because when she is criticized for being interminably stupid, they will have... The ability to call you a racist and a homophobe, an anti-immigrant. This is why the left's identity politics exist: Identification first. Content, um, ability, qualifications, merit, none matter. We will identify our persons and our personnel by their identif- identity uh, classes. If they're in a protected class, i.e. race, If they're in a protected class, i.e. LGBTQ, if they're in a protected class, i.e. immigrant, if they're in a protected class, ethnicity, or whatever the case might be, that's how we identify them, so that when you criticize them, those identifications make them off-limits to criticism, and we can say, you aren't critical of her, you're critical of it because you don't like black and gay immigrant people. So did we mention that Karine Jean-Pierre is gay? Yeah. Yeah, Her sexual proclivities must be known before you listen to her and dare criticize her for answers such as this. A
4: follow-up to the disinformation board. Last week, you guys said that you needed this disinformation governance board at DHS to make sure that freedom of speech is protected across the country and that these platforms are not used for forms of
0: disinformation. So what changed?
5: Look, the Department of of Homeland Security, they began their statement repeating that the board had been intentionally mischaracterized which is a little bit of what you were asking me, and they were explicit about what it does and doesn't, it does not do. Uh, it was never about censorship, pol- policing speech, or removing content from anywhere. Its function was to keep Homeland Security officials aware of how bad actors, including human smugglers, uh, transnational cr- criminal uh, organization, and foreign adversaries could use disinformation uh, to advance their goals. As Secretary Marco said, he has asked uh, former DHS secretary michael chernoff and former D. D- a. G. Uh, jamie gorlick to lead a thorough review this is the pause that i watching this woman
2: read is painful particularly because she's doing straight reading she never raises her eyes and makes eye contact with the press corps she is reading the responses that have been written for her or maybe she wrote them i don't know but all I know is she's struggling to read them, and she is doing straight reading. This is not conversation. This is not speaking with her own uh, knowledge. She is reading whatever somebody wrote for her.
5: I was talking about an assessment as members of the Bipartisan Homeland Security Council Advisory Council. The board will not convene during that period, but the department's work across several administrations uh, to address disinformation that threatens uh, the security for our country is critical and will continue. So that work is going to continue. So-
2: so, but did you notice as she read her two or three paragraph answer, which was, of course, was, was pre-written and, and probably anticipated, the question was going to be anticipated by somebody like Peter Ducey. Cause it's true. Uh, week, a week ago, they said this disinformation governance board is necessary to make sure that, that homeland security is not put in jeopardy by misinformation or disinformation being put out online. This is very necessary. Now, one week later, they scrap it. Peter's question was, what changed? Did she answer what changed? No, she just said, well, it was mischaracterized. I don't care if it was mischaracterized. If somebody else is describing it inaccurately or incorrectly, does that change the necessity for the board that you just declared a week ago and that Alejandra Mayorkas, perhaps the most inept government official, in, in the United States today, the director of the Secretary rather, of Homeland Security declared that this is necessary to security and that that Nina Jankowicz, the laughable, cartoonish idiot that they put in charge of this, was completely qualified and, and eminently uh, nonpartisan. She's completely objective, they said. This is necessary, and she's the right person to lead it. One week later, she's gone, it's gone. What happened? Um, it was mischaracterized. So apparently we don't need it anymore. This is how insane this particular administration is. So We're going to talk about the death of the uh, governance board, the disinformation governance board, but we are also going to make sure that we don't start burying it just yet. It may have died, but it's not dead and buried because we don't know. In reality, whether the announcement of the end of the government board is going to be the end of the mission for the government to censor what American citizens say and can be heard online and through the social media sphere, which has become, as everybody agrees, even Elon Musk, the de facto public town square. If they are going to continue to do this, they're just going to do it without the name of the board. They just won't identify a board or a head like this Mary Poppins idiot. They're just going to go ahead and continue to do what they were planning to do, but not tell you about it. So don't think it's dead and buried just yet. It may be in name only. All right, so much to get into this morning. Let's take a time out here and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. <laughs> 926 now, Always Right Radio, online at alwaysright.us. Thanks for being with us. So the number is new. It seems like literally every day there is a new number. There is a new record high uh, on the average price of gas across the country. A gallon of gas in the United States of America now, brand new record, uh, has been set is $4.58. That's the average, which means in some places it may be four dollars. in other places, it may be six dollars, six fifty, probably pushing to seven in Washington state, I saw this report yesterday, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. in Washington state, they have added an extra digit place, an extra uh, uh space for another digit on their gas prices. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of three digits, or four if you count the decimal point, where you see on a on a on a on a gas digital board, or even on a regular kind of board, you'll see the you know, the four and then the space for the dot or the decimal, and then the fifty eight, so it's four dot five. They've added a blank space before the four in Washington State. And actually I think there that number isn't a four, it's a six. But they've added a space here because they are expecting by the time summer gets here, or at least by the time it ends, they're going to need it. They expect that it may reach $10 per gallon or more. They've added another space. I am here to tell you right now that this is going to result in some devastating, and I do mean devastating, uh for crying out loud, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ramifications. I'll go with that. Devastating. What's going to happen here According uh, 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 because of this extraordinary cost on energy to the American people. I, I also saw another number today that the average American family is now going to be forced to spend at least 5000 of their dollars per year on their fuel, on their gas tanks, because of this cost. And I'm here to tell you that the ramifications of this are going to be devastating beyond just your budget the current state of the american economy because of the energy cost and the energy crisis because by the way in addition to the gas costs, you're going to have nineteen seventy style gas shortages as well gas lines will be wrapped around the block you'll be limited to purchasing three or four gallons per purchase tops in order to ration it to everybody and if you've got to get to work every day and you need to fill up two or three times a week, sorry about your luck. You're not going to be able to do so. The state of the American economy due to this energy and the, st- the damage done to the average American family is going to lead to desperate people who ordinarily wouldn't do desperate things, but leading them to doing desperate things. Crime will skyrocket. And the already understaffed and outmanned police departments will be helpless, as will all Americans. When people get desperate, desperate results happen. And this is all attributable, not to the hashtag Putin price hike. This is all attributable to energy policy decided and signed on Inauguration Day, January 20 of 2021. All of it. From pipeline construction uh, 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 cessation, to drilling leases canceled, to fracking leases canceled, all of it is attributable to decisions made by the Brandon administration. You want to know why we wear t-shirts and hats and bumper stickers and buttons that say LGBFJB? There's a reason. And it's well-deserved, and it's well-earned. You're going to find that reason out on your next visit to the pump, and you are certainly going to find that out as this continues for the next several months, and the desperation that I'm talking about manifests, manifests itself in violent, violent crime. Watch and see. And I hope I am wrong, but I know that I am not. We'll take a time out here for news. On the other side of the news, we're going to get back to trying to protect your kids. Cease O'Leary will join us from the Southeastern Legal Foundation to talk about their new legal guidebook for parents fighting woke education. That's next. Always Right Radio on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer.
2: Ain't but two genders, two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. Don't let that pastor and the lieutenant governor of the state of North Carolina, Mark Robinson, inside a public school with that message. No, 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 no. That would be hateful. That would be anti-LGBTQ. That would be non-inclusive. That would be uh, that would be hate speech. Is what that would be. We spend a great deal of time, and welcome back. It's 939 uh, AM 1420, The Answer on Always Right Radio on alwaysright.us. You can listen live there through your phone, through your radio, or excuse me, through your uh, uh, computer, whatever it is that you choose to do. Um, we talked uh, at some length yesterday about three different stories about the insanity in our schools, the indoctrination, the grooming that does continue. Um, a mother in, I believe this one was from Nevada, no, Wisconsin, beg pardon, was reading... Um, a passage to the school board that her 15-year-old daughter was required to read and then actually recite in front of class. As soon as she started using the words that were in the assignment, the school board cut her mic and told her, we will not use language like that here. We will not have profanity in this public forum. Well, wait a minute. My my daughter was in a public forum in a public school, and you made her do it. Also told you about the, the uh, mom down in uh, Powell, Ohio, whose daughter, who's 8-year-old, came home and told her, I was in the bathroom today, and a little boy walked in. And the little boy is allowed to be there. What'd you do? I ran out and waited till he was done, and so did everyone else. Parents weren't even informed that they were allowing what was being described as a transgender boy uh, from going into the little girl's facilities. Kids weren't told. Parents were told. It just happened. And then, of course, we talked about Philadelphia. Philadelphia's uh, public school district has encouraged, if not ordered, their teachers in Philadelphia public schools to attend a radical transgender pro-sexuality for minors conference of teaching kids how to be as wild and radical and deviant with their sex lives as they want to be. Those are just three examples of it. I bring those up again today to talk to you about uh, the the, um, Southeastern Legal Foundation. They have launched a legal guidebook for parents fighting woke education and dare I say, woke indoctrination. It's something that I think we could all probably use. Joining me to talk about it now is Cece O'Leary. She's an attorney for the Southeastern Legal Foundation, the director of the SLF's 1A Project, to tell us about this legal guidebook and more. Cece, thank you for joining us this morning. How are you?
6: Hey, good morning. It's great to be here. Good to talk
2: to you. Before we talk about the guidebook, if I would, or if I could rather, uh, Cece, I'd like to ask you about a couple of federal court cases that the uh, Southeastern Legal Foundation is involved with in Illinois and Missouri challenging civil rights and free speech violations in public schools. Can you tell me about those?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, we last summer, SLF filed two major lawsuits. They were kind of the first lawsuits of their kind. Challenging critical race theory in K-12 through schools. And the first, as you mentioned, is in Evanston, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And there we brought a lawsuit on behalf of a teacher. Um, in that school district, they are physically segregating teachers during teacher training. They will tell teachers, um, white teachers, go to this classroom for your training. Non-white teachers, go to this classroom for your training. They have conducted privilege walks among their students where Um, there's a prompt that says, because of my skin color, I can do this or I can't do that. And students have to step forward and step backward um, based on the color of their skin, the idea being that white kids will end up on one side of the room, non-white kids will end up on the other side of the room, and so on and so forth. So um, that particular action is a Title VI and Equal Protection Clause lawsuit. And then the other action we have going is in Springfield, Missouri, and that is also on behalf of educators in the district who had to attend a mandatory training. Every single staff member in the district had to go to this training, whether they are a teacher or a bus driver or um, work in the cafeteria. They all had to go to this training, and in this training, they were taught um, really divisive concepts about equity, anti-racism, Um, and, you know, other current events that that obviously we are hearing about in the news. And in this training, teachers had to accept and affirm beliefs as their own. So, for example, certain statements were read out loud, and teachers were given signs that said, agree and disagree. But they were told beforehand, do not hold up the disagree sign, or you might be kicked out of this um, session, and you won't receive pay. And so the statements that were read aloud had to do with um, we believe in equity, we support equity as a goal rather than equality, and teachers were expected to hold up these agree signs. So that, as you can imagine, is a First Amendment violation, and that's what our lawsuit is centered on there in Missouri.
2: That is simply incredible. Um, what? Just out of curiosity, uh, any video, any audio, any um, proof via text messaging or or emails that they were ordered, hey, or advised, don't hold up the disagree or you're gone?
6: Um, Well, there are, so they conducted several um, trainings throughout the summer and into the fall. And so uh, several um, reporters have actually reported on this. And so you can uh, see some firsthand accounts in in these reports. Um, But yeah, one of our clients, herself was actually told by her supervisor, do not hold up the um, disagree sign. You have to agree. And so that is what we are, um, you know, challenging Right. right now.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, I, I I represent an organization called Citizens for Free Speech. I'm their national communications director, and we discuss often CC um, the nature of compelled speech being just as uh, a much of a First Amendment violation as suppressed speech. Everybody thinks that you know the denial of free speech rights or First Amendment rights means you are silenced, and most of the time that it is. But if you force people to say things with which they disagree, force them to hold a sign that shows that they agree with something that they don't, force a child or a teacher to use pronouns that are grammatically inaccurate or that are words that just don't exist in order to appease a political agenda. Uh, And you can lose your job or your status or your, uh, your presence on a campus, whether you're a student or uh, or a faculty member over those kind of things. Compelled speech is, is, is is kind of almost rivaling suppressed speech in terms of the number of cases of first amendment violations around the country. Yeah, that's
6: absolutely right. Like you said, um, You have a right to speak, but you also have a right not to speak. And we see this time and time again, not only with you know our educators in Missouri, but um, we hear stories about students who are in class and their teacher takes down the American flag, puts up a BLM flag or a pride flag, and the students are expected to pledge allegiance to one of those flags instead. Um, That's actually one of the examples that we cover in our guidebook for parents. Parents come to us and say, we don't know what to do. Like, we, we think that this is wrong, but we're not sure. We don't know what our child's rights are. And so in the guidebook, we explain how that is, in fact, compelled speech.
2: Well, I want—I do want to talk more about that guidebook now. And and by the way, isn't it helpful that the lunatics who are doing what you just described are broadcasting it by way of TikTok? Uh, so many videos have been made available of preschool and young elementary age uh, um, teachers or teachers of young elementary age students uh, angry that they're not able to, to do exactly what you just said or proudly announcing the fact that they have not yet been stopped from doing just that, taking down the American flag, putting up the rainbow flag and so on and so forth, pushing critical race theory, dividing children by what they can and can't do, all the things you just described. They go on TikTok and they announce it proudly that my my four-year-old kids in my pre-k class know that i'm non-binary and they know that, or that I, they know that i'm two-spirit and that they can be anything they want they put these things out there so that we can all kind of track them i just wonder i i wonder where that came from and how they think that's going to help the cause because all it's doing is alerting people like you you know the slf and others and myself who've got a a platform with which to announce these things to make parents aware right
6: yeah it's so true um it's really no secret anymore is that the government is trying to replace parents as the ultimate caregivers and authority over their children. Um, they, they make no secret about it anymore. So, um, to your point, it, it certainly helps us to be able to look at these videos and, and show the public this is actually happening. This isn't just stories that we've been told. This is stuff that we are seeing with our own eyes. And sometimes you have to see it to believe it.
2: We are talking, uh, this morning with, um, Cece O'Leary, she's an attorney for the SLF, that's the Southeastern Legal Foundation. The guidebook is entitled, Your Child's Rights and What to Do About Them, A Parent's Guide to Saving America's Public Schools. Obviously, you just talked about one aspect of what is covered in that guidebook. Tell us more.
6: Yeah, so this guidebook is really meant to be another tool in parents' toolkit. We want to help parents move from defense where they feel like they just have to catch up and, and learn um, second and third hand, what's happening in their children's schools, to offense, where they can use the law as a, sh- as a sword rather than just as a shield. So in the guidebook, we kind of describe a few things. We, first of all, explain what the law says, what the law protects, and what it doesn't protect. We explain uh, what parents should be watching out for, buzzwords and issues and curriculums that they should keep their eyes open for. And then finally, we describe different scenarios that parents may encounter and what their legal options are, common things that we see on school grounds across the country and ways that parents can fight back. So, again, we just hope this can be um, a useful tool that parents can use to um, make their fight for their children and their public schools more effective. With
2: respect to the last of those items, um, you know, what parents, you know, what what they encounter and what their legal options are in terms of responding to it, um, isn't that difficult to do because the laws may be different from state to state?
6: Yeah, so um, it depends on what we're talking about. Um, So there are certain federal laws that apply to all parents and all children. For example, uh, the First Amendment, it applies to every citizen, um, against the government. Mm -hmm. The, uh, equal protection clause, it protects children from being treated unequally. Um, as as I mentioned earlier with privilege walks, for example, where children have Mm -hmm. to step forward and step backwards, um, equal protection clause protects them from that kind of discrimination. Same with title six that applies to everybody where the state laws might differ. Um, that has a lot to do with some transparency laws. For example, A lot of parents, you know, want to be able to see their children's curriculum, see what they're taught, and they have a right to do so. Um, There are federal laws that that right, but also state open records laws that give them that right. And so, um, just about every state has an open records law. They're all very similar, Um, and so most parents do have a right to access any sort of meeting minutes that that school boards um, maintain. They have a right to see contracts that schools are making with third parties, such as um, Panorama, who does that, that company does a lot of invasive surveys. Mm -hmm. They have a right to access video and audio recording. um, And they generally have a right to access, as I mentioned, curriculum, lesson plans, books, and presentations. So even though the state laws vary a little bit, um, that's kind of the general, uh, those are the general rights that parents have, and it usually applies across state lines.
2: That's good information, and most of the things you did talk about are constitutional. So we're talking about federal things uh, more than states, but but everything you just mentioned matters uh, as well. Um, Cece, I, I wanted to ask also about um, you know the the one A project. Uh, according to what I'm reading, you have trained students directly, thousands of students, on what their rights are with respect to the First Amendment. How does that work?
6: Yeah, so we uh, work primarily with college students to, as you said, um, train them and just educate them about what their First Amendment rights are. Um, We are also here as a legal resource when something, you know, rises to the level of requiring legal action. But we think knowledge is um, a really important tool, and that's kind of the first and foremost uh, resource that students should have. They should know what their rights are. So actually, through our 1A project, um, we have been working with college students for several years, and we kept hearing from them about you know, an orientation class that they were required to attend where they were taught these really racially divisive concepts. Or they have a student handbook that says um, you must commit to equity and to being an anti-racist. And as we started digging in and, and questioning these college students about these topics, they began telling us, well, this is something that we have been taught since high school. And we dug in a little further. Actually, this is something we've been taught since middle school. This is something we've been taught since elementary school. So that's kind of actually how we got into this, um, this world with critical race theory and how we could see that it's really just being passed down um, generation to generation.
2: Uh, C.C. O'Leary is our guest. She's an attorney with the Southeastern Legal Foundation, the director of the SLF's 1A Project. There's so much ground we could cover here if we had more time, but unfortunately we don't. I want to use the last minute that I do have with you, C.C., to ask you, how can a parent obtain this guidebook? Is it something that's online? Is it an actual physical book or brochure? Or how, What do we do? Yeah,
6: so our guidebook is available for a free download online. All you have to do is type in SLF that that's Liberty.org It's available on our homepage, and um, again, it's completely free. We just want to get this into as many parents' hands as possible to aid them in this fight for their children and, and to save the American Republic.
2: That is terrific. I'm actually on the page right now since you brought it up, SLFLiberty.org. Um, can you tell me exactly where to find the guidebook on it? I want to try to link this on my webpage so my listeners can find it very easily for yep. you.
6: Exactly. If you scroll down past who we are, past, um, current updates, you'll see a line that says resources, resources. It's on a blue block. Yep.
2: yep. There it is. And then yep. we
6: have, you'll see also, um, our 1A project guidebook if any college students are listening and want to hear about their First Amendment rights.
2: Perfect. Absolutely great. I will link this up there so that everybody can find it on my uh, my website, and I will continue to promote this. Listen, what you are doing is so extraordinarily important. You personally and obviously everybody at SLF, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for letting us know about it, and we hope that we can establish contact with you and, and let us know of any developments that happen, particularly with those lawsuits as we try to, uh, again, restore uh, education to the classroom rather than indoctrination.
6: Absolutely. Thanks.
2: Thank you CC. Cece. Cece O'Leary from the Southeastern Legal Foundation. Uh, and that website you just heard her say SLF it's Southeastern Legal Foundation. Sometimes it's hard to hear what those letters are when you're when you're hearing on the radio. Uh, but we'll link it to alwaysright.us alwaysright.us you can download that legal guidebook for yourself on how you can fight for your kids against the woke indoctrination centers called our public schools. 955 right back Always Right Radio AM 1420 the answer. Hour number two underway now, seven minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, online at alwaysright.us. Make sure you check the lead stories of the day out there, uh, including the new record high. Each and every day brings a new record high gas price and brings us a little bit closer to economic calamity for every middle middle class uh, and below Americans' budget, which is going to lead to calamity in America's streets when desperate people are forced to do desperate things to provide for their families. Uh, Mark it down. We are going to see a crime spike in the next six months, uh, unlike anything you've ever seen, if something isn't done to relieve the pressure on the average American worker. Let's uh, let's fight the culture wars now, if you would. Let's welcome our good friend and regular Thursday guest to talk about these culture wars, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper, of course, is a best-selling author. He is a radio host, podcast host in Oklahoma. He is also a former university president, and he has a weekly column that runs in the Washington Times. Dr. Piper, always good to talk with you. How are you this morning?
4: I'm doing great, Bob. As always, thanks for having me on.
2: Well, it's uh, it's great that we have you today because we missed you last week, and uh, as such, we get two great Dr. Everett Piper columns to discuss, uh, which is great for us. So, I want to start though uh, with the most recent, and I want to talk about um, you know your, your your very apt question uh, as the as the title of your column from. Uh, uh, from this past week, or maybe this was the previous week I actually might not have them in order But your question as everyone discusses Roe versus Wade uh, And what it means to be pro-life or pro-death. I do not believe there is an in-between you either believe it's okay to kill babies or you don't There's no choice issue here. It's either pro-life or pro-death But you wrote about it and I guess this one was the previous one from May 8th You asked a very poignant question is a baby human And I think the answer to that, of course, uh, lies whether or or not you are pro-life or pro-death, because I I was discussing this as I was uh, teasing your appearance today in the first hour, Dr. Piper. You know, it's so funny how eight inches, eight inches of separation can be the determining factor as to whether or not a baby is human and thus worthy of protection of its life. That eight, eight inches, of course, is the difference between the uterus and, and 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 breathing open air. That is the birth canal. And it's so funny how once that child passes through eight inches, it is indeed considered to be a child and is thus protected, at least for some. Um, and if it's eight inches earlier, that's not a human. That's not a baby. That's, that's a mother's health condition. And she can do whatever she wants with her health condition. So is it a baby or is it not? Is it true that the difference, really, or the answer to that question is dependent upon location at the moment of, of that assessment?
4: Well, I think your, your question is, is spot on, and it's, it's absolutely the right question. Because essentially what we're asking right now, what I'm asking in the article, is how do you define what a human being is? Does location define a human being? Mm-hmm. Does uh, ability? Or lack thereof, define a human being. Does a human being's dependency on others for its sustenance and for its um, for its safety, for its food, for its viability, does that make it human or not? I mean, we need to answer these questions, and frankly, answering the questions of definition. Uh, are are the basic issues of our time. I mean, we can't even define what a woman is any longer. We pretend that we can dumb down the definition of everything to nothing but the sum total of our feelings. So if we feel that we're female when when we're not, then it makes it so. Or if we feel that this other human being is nothing but a lump of cells or nothing other than something that would be akin to... And a, 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 a diseased uh, appendix that needs to be removed. If we feel that way, then that makes it so. Well, hopefully, just answering these questions will solve part of the problem, or at least asking the questions will highlight the fact that we're in a very, very difficult spot. Because Germans taught their children that Jews were the de- descendants of pigs and apes. Okay. Uh, did that make it so? Well, no, it didn't. It was a blatant lie. It was an ugly lie that led to the atrocities of Auschwitz and, and, and Dachau and the, and the furnaces and the, the, and, and the extermination of other people because they were defined as less than being fully human. And today, radical Muslims teach the same thing about Jews, that they aren't fully human. So we've got to answer these questions. Is a baby human or isn't it? And, Bob, I actually had people responding to this column suggesting to me that the Bible itself says, no, an unborn baby isn't human, because it hasn't taken its first breath. Well, that's such a boatload of garbage. They go back to Genesis, I believe it's chapter 2, where God says that he breathed life into adam after he formed him out of the dust of the earth and that adam therefore wasn't a human until god breathed life into him that's a descriptive verse that's not a prescriptive verse that tells us how god breathed life into the first human being it doesn't tell us how life is created through procreation thereafter so the biblical ignorance and the ontological dance that we do to try to get around the fact that this is a living breathing human being and by the way a preborn baby does ingest air through the umbilical cord it actually gulps air into its functioning lungs before it's born but these people are so ridiculous in their in their attempts to define a baby as being nothing as being anything but human it actually requires them to do scientific and ontological and epistemological theological dances that result in them denying reality
2: yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, you, you explained it so much better than I could because my first thought was when that person, uh, or those individuals mentioned to you, God breathed life into Adam. Well, God breathes life into every living being the mo, at the moment of conception. That, that, that divine spark, if you will, when sperm meets egg is the breath of life that goes into, uh, you know, the, the creation of that person. So, you know, the, the literal sense of huffing and then blowing air into, you know, the, the, the form that became Adam. Uh they're, they're taking way too literally, but God did indeed bring life to Adam. God brings life to everybody, and it's in the form of conception. So uh, I think your answer was was terrific. And, you know, you, in your column, you reference your book, uh, your your second uh, bestseller, which is Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. And you talk about how words can't just uh, be, you know, be, be meaningless. Words have to mean something. You go into the pony can't be a fish, your fish can't be a chicken, things you've said to me before. Um, How is it in any way defensible for the American left? And I know it isn't. This is rhetorical for you. But for the American left to suggest that going back to my original uh, question to you, that the, the being in question changes. Based on its location, eight inches apart, prior to passing through that eight-inch canal-ish, it's around eight inches, you know, it's one thing. When it gets to the other side of it, it's another thing. How can it just be described as not being a human, not being a life, not being a baby, not being a separate body from the mother that is protecting it or the mother whose body is designed to protect it? I'm just wondering, like, what the justification, if they're going to try to find anomalies or what they perceive to be inconsistencies in the Bible to explain that.
4: Well, again, the, the only thing that I can see that they use out of the Bible is this uh, issue of the description, description of how God created Adam and that he was dust of the earth and he was clay until God breathed life into him. But again, that's a terrible use of scripture because God tells Adam and Eve to procreate and to multiply. So the prescription for how we are to create humanity after God's initial creation is through conception. It's through man and wife. It's the two becoming one and creating, pre- procreating uh baby, new human beings. So their biblical, their exegesis is terrible, and they know it. And here's the other thing to answer your question, Bob. Mm-hmm. They They really can't justify this logically, and they can't justify it scientifically. That's why they're being—they're so angry and they're so political because they're losing the debate scientifically. Because as we've learned over time since Roe v. Wade, through ultrasound technology and whatnot, this this human being has thumbs and has fingers and has an has eyes and has a nose. It has a functioning heart. It's beating. It has a functioning brain. It responds to light. It responds to pain. It hears the mother's voice. It has functioning lungs because it is gulping air in through the umbilical cord. It moves. It, it is a different person. It isn't part of the mother's body. It's a different body than the mother's body. It just has a location within the body of the mother because that's the way we procreate. They can't win this argument scientifically, logically, and they're trying to win it emotionally. And that's the only, the only uh, form of ammunition they have left. Left is this emotional appeal to the right to choose, and it falls on every front when you actually start asking good questions.
2: Dr. Piper, I want to spend about fifty-three seconds of our time together uh, playing a clip from a congressional hearing uh, on this Roe versus Wade controversy that is leading and manifesting itself in violence and and harassment and intimidation. Um. The Democrats called an O B G Y N to testify before this congressional committee about abortions and about um, what 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 uh, you know how they define life. Maybe a little bit differently than we were just you and I were just discussing. And then you wrote in your column defining humanity and what whether a baby is human, but defining life. I think these fifty three seconds everyone should hear, and I want to get your reaction to them if we can.
7: So abortion should be allowed then by your definition for any reason. For any purpose at any stage right
8: I trust people to make decisions about their body and then when relevant I think that they need to consult their medical practitioners
7: okay and not if it is listen let me just ask you this question if it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10 year old child I assume you agree with that right that would be wrong correct I believe that okay and a two-year-old child same thing that would be murder we would all agree that's wrong then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the uterus. What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases?
8: I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow.
2: Well, there it is, Dr. Piper, your reaction.
4: Well, her. The pregnant pause there, it tells all. She doesn't know how to respond to this because the logic of the question is self-evident. It goes back to your initial question to me in this interview today. What's the difference in the definition of this human being on the basis of location? Nothing. Nothing. And time. Just because time has moved by, let's say, 60 seconds. 60 seconds earlier, this baby was 8 inches removed from where it is now. So nothing has changed. Zero has changed other, other than time has elapsed and location. The baby has moved. And this guy is asking this woman, how can you justify killing it when it's 60 seconds younger and eight inches different in location, and then tell me that it's illegal and moral and wrong to kill it once it moves to those eight inches and once it's 60 seconds older? It makes no sense. There's no scientific or logical sense to this. And the woman's pregnant pause, I guess that's no pun intended, the woman's (laughs) pregnant pause is all telling. It's a self-evident, self-refuting lie, her worldview, and she knows it.
2: That question was asked by um, uh, Representative Johnson from from Louisiana. I I just want to give you 16 more seconds because it'll change the subject somewhat, but I know you're going to want to speak to it. The same witness was asked by Representative Dan Bishop the following question, and I want you to hear her answer. A woman is. I'm sorry, we uh, we pull that back here. Um,
9: what do you say a woman is?
8: I believe that everyone can identify for themselves.
9: Okay. Um, do do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions?
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> she, go ahead, it, Dr. It,
0: it's,
4: it's crazy land. We live in crazy land. Um, the prophet Isaiah says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. Okay? Let, let's let go with the Piper paraphrase to close out this this part of your show. Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. Woe unto those who call a woman a man and a man a woman. Woe unto those who call a baby a clump of cells and a clump of cells a baby. Woe unto those who... Don't even know how to define the basic facts of life because when we come to that point as a culture, there's no cultural glue to hold us together any longer. Common sense, natural law is thrown to the wind, and our own individual freedoms are lost because we know, we have no human individuality any longer as defined by anything other than power and politics. Power and politics will win the day if we can't even define the basic reality of our daily existence.
2: I would uh, need to clarify. I made a mistake when I said this woman is an OBGYN. There were two women who testified before this committee back-to-back. The first one was the OBGYN, who answered, by the way, in uh, essentially the same manner. This particular person is uh, described as being a representative of Avow, an organization that seeks to secure unrestricted abortion access everywhere in Texas. So the second person was not the, uh, or the person that I played rather is not an OBGYN, but they had a previous person who was, who testified essentially the same way. The message remains the same regardless. Dr. Piper, we'll use that break for a time out here. I want to come back and talk about America's church leaders now becoming wolves in shepherd's clothing, your most recent column in the Washington Times. That's next with Dr. Piper right after this. 1024 now, I've got six good minutes left with Dr. Everett Piper, We're going to talk about his uh, most recent column in the Washington Times. Dr. Piper, you and I have talked about this in some form or another many, many times during these uh, weekly uh, conversations about the problems in our church, what is happening to our church, to our church leaders. We see it in the Catholic Church, we see it in the Evangelical Church, and now you've written an entire column about it. You're describing church leaders as wolves in shepherds' clothing. Why?
4: Well, there's some recent research that's come out of Arizona Christian University. They have a center there that is headed up by George Barna, one of America's famous pollsters. So this data is really, really solid. But the data is also very, very disturbing that they've just released. In summary, what this research tells us is that America's pastors, America's pastors do not believe in a biblical worldview. Only thirty 7% of American pastors subscribe to a biblical worldview. Only 37% of America's head pastors, and the numbers decline as you get into the other pastoral staff. For example, teaching pastors only 13% of those pastors nationwide subscribe to a biblical worldview, and only 12% of youth pastors subscribe to a biblical worldview. And when you get down to the executive pastors, you know, the guy that's hired to run the business of the church, and he, or she, I suppose, only 4% of those executive pastors believe in a biblical worldview. Now, this is a problem. If you have America's evangelical pastors that are telling you that they don't even subscribe to a biblical worldview, that over 60% of them, 60% of the head pastors, don't believe in the inerrancy, the authority of the Bible, that they don't believe in the basic tenets of orthodoxy. When they're saying that, then it should be no surprise to us that our culture is collapsing, and it's collapsing from the pulpit. When you have evangelical pastors and you have Catholic priests that are stumbling over themselves to embrace Marcuse rather than Moses and preach social justice rather than the gospel of Jesus, it should be no surprise that we have a culture that can't define what a human being is, what a woman is, what a man is, and what a baby is. The problem that we're facing in our culture, I would argue that right now, Bob, is that we have wolves not in sheep's clothing, but we have wolves in shepherd's clothing. And I'm paraphrasing, I believe it was a Catholic cardinal who actually coined that phrase. He said, wolves in sheep's clothing are dangerous, but wolves in shepherd's clothing are downright deadly. And you see that disease, that deadly theological, ontological, logical, and legal disease prevailing across our land right now. And I would argue it starts with the church not doing its job
2: dr. Piper well argued and you're right I think the shepherd is far far more dangerous uh, uh, you know as far as being covered in, sh- in wolves' clothing than the sheep because they can herd the entire sheep into into a slaughter the entire herd of sheep rather into into slaughter or into the into the wolf's den so you 're completely right you were very efficient in that it gives us a chance to talk about one other thing that you 've been commenting on and I want to go ahead and let you talk, talk about this Victor Davis Hansen of the uh, Hoover Institution uh, wrote an article that I know you found to be very compelling uh, and in particular talking about what it's going to take to protect freedom uh, in the United States of America, that it is not free, and, uh, you know, as a result of some of the actions by the current administration, it is getting harder and harder to maintain it that way. Can you give us your, your analysis of that?
4: Well, just very briefly, everybody needs to be re- reading Victor David Davis Hanson. Victor mm-hmm. Davis Hansen. He's a scholar at Stanford's Hoover Institute. He's conservative. He believes in conserving time-tested truths. He believes in the constitutional uh, uh, premise to our constri- country and that our constitutional republic is grounded in self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our creator. That's Hansen. His argument in this particular article that he's written is that there's a cyclical uh, nature to revolution and revolt, and we are experiencing that in our culture right now. He's arguing that the best uh, Teacher of the future is the past, and that the lessons of history must be learned, otherwise, we're going to be doomed to repeat them. George Santiana. Hansen is making this argument. He's basically a modern prophetic voice. He's making the argument that the prophet Micah, Jeremiah, the book of Judges, he's making the same argument, and that is that when we step away from the self evident truths, the natural law, the commandments of God, we're going to forfeit our liberty and we're going to suffer bondage. We're going to suffer the bondage of tyranny. And this happened to Israel over and over and over again. The cyclical nature of Israel's rebellion led to their loss of freedom, their loss of dignity, the loss of their culture. Then there was repentance. Then there was a revival. There was a reformation, if you will, that brought them back to the freedom that God intended for them in the first place. And that freedom is only found within the fences of God. It's the paradox of liberty and law and freedom and fences. And that is part of the argument and the assumption, the premise, of Hansen's article.
2: And you, uh, you shared with me something I just want to ask you to share with our audience in closing. If you have it in front of you, you don't have to, but you pasted it for me from President Reagan, a speech that he made uh, decades ago.
4: Well, I, I don't have the whole thing, but it's the famous speech where he said, we have the responsibility to defend the freedom. That we've been given by our forefathers; otherwise, we will live to see the day where we tell our children and grandchildren what it was once like to live in America when it was free. And I fear that that's where we are right now. And Hanson is warning us of that.
2: Yeah, uh, the the most of the I have the quote in front of me because you texted to me very very uh, uh, considerately and. It must be fought for, freedom that is, protected and handed on for them to do the same for one day, or or, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. It was handed to us and protected and fought for, and we're going to hand it to a generation that we have not protected it for, and they are not going to understand what it was. Uh, So it is extraordinarily important. Dr. Piper, we always appreciate your wisdom and your analysis. Thank you so much. By the way, I don't know what you did, but terrific reception today. We had no problems.
4: I, I drove out and I'm sitting near a tower. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope you're joking. I don't ever want to make you do that, just to have our conversations. But we do appreciate the effort, and we always appreciate the uh, uh, the wisdom. Thank you, Doctor Piper. All
4: right, blessings. Bye.
2: Ten thirty one. We'll take a time out here. Come right back on Always Right Radio, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Just
8: the world, I-
0: Pursuit of happiness. Always right. Radio with Bob France the answer.
2: You know the uh, beginning of that little bump back. Life, the first word of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life. The leftist just, just, just doesn't, just doesn't agree. I mean, I'm not, I'm not overstating it, am I? Am I? Am I overstating it? Am I being? Exaggerating? Am I being hyperbolic in any way when I say that the American leftist just does not believe in life? The right to life and the right to liberty and the right to the pursuit of happiness, not when they're willing to kill children at literally any stage of gestation. You know, as Dr. Piper and I just talked about, the location of the child being the deciding factor as to whether the child can be lawfully murdered or not is just about the most stark and contrasting difference between human beings and and ghouls and and evil uh, barbarians that I think that that can be that can be drawn look All sides of the political spectrum like to claim the moral high ground. The left literally thinks that they're claiming the moral high ground when they talk about the right for women to kill their children at any time that they wish. I'm just going to fundamentally tell them, you're going to burn. You're going to burn. I do believe we have the moral high ground when we say that the location of a child should not determine whether or not you can rip it apart or puncture a hole in the back of its head with scissors and suck its brains out. The left believes that is okay, depending on location. If the baby is eight inches north, meaning inside the birth canal, It can be partially delivered and then butchered in the way I just described and have it called a woman's health care procedure. If they do the same thing to the baby eight inches south, which is having passed through the birth canal, now it's cold-blooded premeditated murder. I will die on this hill. That there is only one side of this debate that can claim the moral high ground. And that's the side that believes that saving that baby's life should be paramount in either location, before or after the passage through the birth canal. But these people are ghouls. They are they are Satan's messengers. They they're they're they're, they're literally just about as evil as evil can get.
7: So abortion should be allowed then, by your definition, for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right?
2: I
8: trust people to make decisions about their body, and then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical p- practitioners okay.
7: and not is, if Congress. It is, listen, let me just ask you this question. If it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10-year-old child, I assume you agree with that, right? That would be wrong, Correct. I believe that Okay, And a two-year-old child, same thing, that would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases?
8: I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow.
2: Do I even need to state the obvious here? It is not their own bodies that we are talking about. We are talking about somebody else's body. We're not talking... Because you know what? I agree with this woman. It should be anyone's right to do what they want with their own body. And if they want to go into a medical examination room or or a surgical center and have their legs surgically removed they can do that it's their own body if they want to have their arms cut off they can do that with it's their own body they can do anything surgically with their own body that they want i agree with her but those are not the woman's legs that are being ripped off of the torso of the body in a in a second and third trimester abortion those are not the woman's arms Those are not the woman's brains that are being sucked out of the hole in the back of the skull. Those are the the body parts of the child, of the baby, the human that is growing inside of another human. This argument about a, a woman should be able to do whatever she wants with her body is just so pathetic and lame and inaccurate in addition to being, as we were discussing, immoral. In addition to being beyond evil. But I've gotten more. This is an actual OBGYN, otherwise known as an abortion doctor. This particular Dr. Yashika Robinson is an abortionist. I hesitate to use the word physician or the word doctor because the very, very first thing in the Hippocratic Oath the the, the, The line that is the Hippocratic Oath is, first, do no harm. So anybody that would dissect a child in utero and yank it out piece by piece, leg by leg, arm by arm, put those body parts into a hazmat container and wait for their disposal, has done harm. They've done harm to that child. Very, very horrific physical harm. So I, I refuse to use the word physician or doctor, but her title is Dr. Yeshika Robinson, and it's important that you know that she has taken that Hippocratic Oath when you hear her testimony before uh, this congressional committee. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas was discussing what she does for a living and how she does it. Listen.
9: The question, when is the latest that you have performed an abortion in terms of weeks uh, of the uh, unborn child?
8: Yes, my name is Dr. Robinson, and I provide abortion care in Alabama. So Alabama has. What is
9: the answer to the question? The latest that you have performed an abortion.
8: I'm going to answer your question. So unfortunately, my state is one of those states that has passed um, restrictions or bans on abortion care, which limits physicians like myself. And
9: therefore, in other words, you'd like to do it later. What is the latest you have performed an abortion?
8: So since I will always follow the law and I live in the state of Alabama, I provide abortion care up until 20 weeks gestational age.
2: Okay, she Now I'm going to pause it there. Because as Chip Roy correctly pointed out when she was saying, unfortunately, some states provide a ban on the time or the gestational period in which we can perform abortions. And as Chip Roy said, so we understand you'd like to be able to do it later later, but you're banned by law in Alabama from doing it after what? And she said 20 weeks. 20 weeks.
9: Performed an abortion at 20 weeks. Yes, sir. Uh, the procedure for an abortion, when we're talking about it 20 weeks, as I understand it, is dilation and extraction. Have Have you um, performed abortions at that stage, and in, in doing so, have you uh, had baby parts that you've had to... Uh, discard or store in some capacity
8: one of the things that you all have done Legs, throughout,
9: arms, this, throughout this
8: hearing is just use inflammatory language no, it, no, it's, a question question ma'am, ma'am,
9: it's a simple question have you had human parts baby parts Arms, legs, as a result of an abortion performed at the time you just acknowledged you performed an abortion. I am a physician and weeks.
8: a proud abortion provider. There is nothing that you can say,
9: y- yes that or makes, no,
8: makes it difficult have, for me ma'am? to talk about the care that I provide. Right. So, have
9: patients. there been baby parts? Yes or no?
8: If you would like for me to talk, and to where
9: you have it? Where and how, how have they been stored? An
8: abortion for patients who need. So
9: the answer to the question is fairly weeks, obvious. Age, I'm happy that there be. are baby parts, and you don't want to talk about how they're being stored. You don't mm-hmm. want to talk about putting them in freezers. You don't want to put them in, talk about putting them in Pyrex. This is, you want to talk about the videos that we have from Planned Parenthood Coast, uh, uh, Gulf Coast in Houston, Texas. You don't want to talk about the reality the of what actually
8: happened. If you so don't mind not. me answering, all of those things that you just mentioned, I have never seen that in a healthcare setting ever. We don't put baby parts in freezers or pirates' dishes.
2: Yeah, we know. You put them in hazmat containers. And then those hazmat containers are picked up by facilities that go and dispose of them. We've seen the videos. I find it quite amazing that this abortionist, again, I won't call her a doctor. Doctors don't destroy life. Doctors try to preserve and protect life. Right? Am I I mistaken there? Isn't that what doctors are supposed to do? She destroys life. And I find it amazing that she said to him, You all are using inflammatory language to describe what I do. The only language that Chip Roy is using here is baby parts. Is that inflammatory? Baby arms, baby legs. Is that inflammatory? If it is, it's only because people can't imagine when they hear those words. In their mind's eye, in their their, their mental pictures, when you hear baby arms being discarded, is baby arms and legs being separated from the torso of the child, being cut off in utero. That's what DNX means, dilation and extraction means. So she's calling it inflammatory language to describe, just in words, what she does in practice. Well, if it's inflammatory language, abortion provider, then how is it not inflammatory action? If it's language you don't prefer to hear, how can you then literally carry out the actions and see the things that are being described here by Chip Roy? I find it further amazing that she said there is nothing you can say with your inflammatory language that will make it uncomfortable for me to describe what I do. And yet, she refused to describe what she did because she was uncomfortable and it was inflammatory. It's remarkable.
9: extraction. Have, have you um, performed abortions at that stage? And in, in doing so, have you uh, had baby parts that you've had to uh, discard or store in some capacity?
8: One of the things that you all have done legs, throughout,
9: arms, this, throughout
8: this hearing is just use inflammatory language. Inflammatory, no, no it's a the question.
9: question ma'am, provide. ma'am, it's a simple question. Have you had human parts, baby parts, arms, legs, as a result of an abortion performed at the time you just acknowledged you performed an abortion? I am a physician
2: and weeks. a
8: proud abortion provider. There's You're
2: not a physician. Physicians save lives. Physicians do not intentionally take lives. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. You may have a medical license. You are not a physician. Your license, your piece of paper, does not define what you do. What you do is the opposite of medical care. You provide medical death. You take a living being and make it a dead being. That's just the reality of it. But please continue to tell us about how proud you are to be an abortion provider.
8: Nothing that you can say makes makes it difficult for me to talk about the care that I provide.
9: So have there been baby parts?
2: Nothing you can say to me makes it difficult for me to talk about the care that I provide. Yet you are being asked about that care and its outcome, which is baby parts being dissected and and cut off of the torso of a child, and you complain that it's inflammatory language. Well, which is it? Which is it, Ghoul? Is it, is it inflammatory and therefore uncomfortable for you to discuss? Or is there nothing he can say to you that would make it uncomfortable for you to discuss what you do? Which is it? You're literally saying, this is inflammatory language. And you're not going to answer the question, but then you say there's nothing you can say to me that would make me, you know, not not answer these questions.
9: Performed at the time, you just acknowledge you performed abortion. I am a physician
8: and weeks. a proud abortion provider. There is nothing that you can say.
9: Yeah,
2: yes that or makes, no.
8: makes it difficult Have, for me ma'am? to talk about the care that I provide. Right, so to-
2: apparently it does. Because why won't you answer his questions? Why didn't you answer the very simple question with a very simple three letter answer when he said? When you are dilating and extracting, extracting a child from the womb of its mother, that yes, the answer is yes, you do pull out arms and legs and have to dispose of them. You have to pull out torsos and heads and you have to dispose of them. Just say that. If you are so proud as a proud abortion provider, your words, not mine.
9: As a result of an abortion performed at the time you just acknowledged you performed abortion. I am a physician and a
8: proud
2: abortion provider. You don't sound very proud. Why won't you talk about the legs? Ghoul? Why won't you talk about the arms? Hmm? You're a baby killer. You do it for a living. You're proud of it. Nothing that can be said to you makes it difficult for you to admit as much. Why won't you talk about the torsos? Why won't you talk about how they're disposed of? Why won't you talk about this? Why are you calling it inflammatory? It's because one day you know you will burn. And I can only pray that the souls of those that you tortured and dissected and destroyed are able to watch as it happens. It's 1054. We'll be right back. 10-57, 10:57. let's take a couple of phone calls. I really have been neglectful of the phones uh, today because of guests and because of segments where I've just wanted to monologue on certain things. Uh, my apologies for the delay, but, TJ, you have been rewarded. You're up, sir. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, you know, Bob, I have a conundrum here for the left. Okay. You know, you got a baby in the womb that they say is not a human being, and that baby has to be taken with a cesarean. So that means that baby is being born, in their mind, not a human being. So... Will that baby be covered under the Bill of Rights in the future, or will it have to look like to the Dick Goddard Law to, to you know to get right?
2: I, I think their you know I think their answer to that would be is once the baby is exposed to air, as soon as it is out of the womb, whether it be through the birth canal or via the C section, once the baby is exposed to air. Oh, I'm sorry, fetus until it's lifted out, fetus, uh, non-human clump. Um, uh, uh, parasite, uh, living off of the host, the mother, all the things that they call a baby before a baby is born, it's all of those things until it is either pushed through the birth canal or lifted out of the, uh, the mother's uh, uh, abdomen by, uh, by the physician.
3: Can I make a suggestion, Bob? Sure. Uh, you know, you said these people are going to burn, and I agree with you. You know, in your bumper music, look up the song Fire by Arthur Brown. And I think that would be appropriate to play to them because the song starts on "I am the God of Hellfire and I will bring you fire," and I think that's an appropriate bumper music for these people on the left with this abortion.
2: You, you very know? well may be right. I don't know if I've heard that one before, but I will certainly be. It was the to number
3: one song out. in 1968.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you, I'm going TJ. i back. <laughs> you got it, my friend. You know what I will do? I don't have that song at the ready, but I do have this one, which is just as appropriate as, uh, as far as today's headlines go. <music> Yeah, twenty and five.
10: There you go. That's it. Yes, sir. Uh, make it forty. I pulled in to
0: buy some gasoline. Highest prices I had ever seen. It's cheaper just to rent a see. Don't make enough to pay for my gasoline. Gassing up is taking every dime Never thought I'd ever see a time When fuel's considered cheap at 3.15 I can't afford to pay For my
5: gasoline Yeah, give me half a tank on three Yes, sir.
6: Fill her up.
0: They'll rob me blind before I drive away Gonna have to walk to work today Might have to sell my house and everything Just so that I can pay For my gasoline
5: I drive out of my way
0: For cheap gasoline Somebody help me
1: pay. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the Pharaohs? Have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance.
0: This is Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Hour number three underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. It's the 19th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. If you missed our conversation with uh, Dr. Everett Piper last hour, you're going to want to listen to that at WHK Radio on the podcast page. You can also get the same page on uh, alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Also had a very interesting conversation in the first hour if you missed it, and you're going to want to hear that one as well with the attorney for the Southeastern Legal Foundation, um, we talked with uh, C.C. O'Leary about the guidebook, Your Child's Rights and What to Do About Them, A Parent's Guide to Saving America's Public Schools. They are fighting literally in court to try to stop the indoctrination, to try to stop uh, the essentially emotional abuse of your kids in their schools by teachers who are substituting their judgments for yours. So check. Oh, by the way, I also promised C.C. O'Leary when I spoke with her that I would put the link to that free download of that uh, guidebook that they have put out so thoughtfully and so carefully uh, that I would put it on us to make it easy for you to find rather than trying to find it through the uh, S-L- or SLF's uh, website. So it's there right now. If you look at the latest news in the top left-hand corner of the page, today's top stories, right beneath that, you'll find legal guidebook for parents fighting woke education. And you'll find a big picture of it and a link to that free PDF download. Um, from the Southeastern Legal Foundation. So those were the issues in the first couple of hours. The last half hour, we spent talking about the ghouls um, who were testifying before Congress about the uh, wonderful nature of killing babies in their second and third trimesters. They claimed that it doesn't make them uncomfortable to talk about it, yet when they were asked questions, they said, you are making us uncomfortable. You are using um, inappropriate language in discussing what we do. I think that's a perfect backdrop for our next conversation want to talk a little bit about abortion. I want to talk about well, how the abortion issue has become a full-on attack on Christianity. Dr. Stephen I- Iacoboni, if I'm saying it correctly, um, is, a, is, a, is a number of things, including a, uh, an award-winning doctor and an author. He has written books uh, exposing atheist lies regarding science and faith. Um, his latest book is Telos. We're going to talk about that in a moment, uh, The Scientific Basis for life uh, for Life of Purpose, but Dr. Ayacaboni also is a writer and a columnist for the Huffington Post, which is one of the things that shocked me when I saw this uh, when I saw this um, uh, reference to his his uh, his thoughts on on abortion and the attack on Christianity. So let's bring in Dr. Stephen Ayacaboni again, an award winning physician as well as an author, and uh, he joins us now on AM fourteen twenty, The Answer. Doctor, good to have you on the program. How are you, sir?
11: I'm great, Bob. Thanks, to, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, great, great great talking to you. Am I
2: close on the pronunciation of the last name? I asked my producer earlier, but I can't remember how he said it.
11: Iacoboni. That's close enough.
2: Iacoboni. Okay, <laughs> Iacoboni. Got it. I, I, I looked at it, I tried it four different ways before you came on, and finally I said, let's ask, but then I forgot what he said. Doctor, I, you know, I'm looking at, at at some of the things that you've written. I'm looking at some of the reviews of your book, Telos, A Scientific Basis for Life of Purpose. And I'm looking at uh, your thoughts on how the abortion fight has really become the left's attack on Christianity. And I'm thinking, how do they greenlight these items on the Huffington Post, one of the most far-left radical sites, in my opinion... Uh, on the internet uh Huffington Post is uh you know completely diametrically ideologically opposed to just about everything it seems like you stand for. How'd you end up writing for them
11: uh well, I don't think it's um i think it's a bit of a um, uh, I wrote uh, one article for them ten years ago, which has to do with philosophy. And it wasn't political, and I had a different publicist at the time who got me on there, but I have not uh, been working with them since, so um, that's sort of a... a
2: Oh, so wait, there's yeah, an outdated wait, wait. bio. So there's an outdated bio here for you, then. Okay, because the fir- one of the first things I have in the release is in a Huffington Post contributor bio for Doctor Iacoboni. So that you know, I I just went with it. I'm wondering because it seems like they would probably spike just about any of these articles that you would submit to them again, based on their ideology. So so this is a little bit outdated, right?
11: Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: That's exactly right. Got it. Got it. We can talk more about what you are writing, which, of course, uh, is tell us the scientific basis for a life of purpose in just a moment. But but let's talk about um, the real issue here, since the leak of the draft opinion from the Supreme Court that may indeed uh, become uh, an actual opinion in which the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. We have all seen the harassment. We have seen the intimidation uh, of the justices trying to stop them from making this vote or from casting these votes and delivering this opinion. Uh, uh, and it 's only going to get worse, As a matter of fact, most people believe there's going to be nationwide violence if and when this becomes an official opinion. You have talked about this and the subsequent discussion since that uh, leak was made uh, and in in terms of its uh, relationship to the assault and the attack on Christianity. And indeed, Christians are among the most pro-life people in America. Uh, they defend life in unborn babies, pre-born babies, at virtually every turn. Uh, and so the left has used this abortion issue as a cudgel and uh, an opportunity to attack Christianity. Can you tell us how and why you think that is?
11: Well, this is uh, this attack on uh, Roe v. Wade really is um, um, uh, a cover for their a uh, continuous attack on uh, Christianity itself. Um, there isn't any doubt that a fertilized uh, egg has life and uh, is viable within six weeks, and killing it is killing a living creature. Um, there really is no debate about that. Um, the idea that abortion can somehow be rationalized can only be uh, done within a framework where human beings make the rules, and there are no Ten Commandments. Uh, and that's what the left wants. The left wants to make up new rules and get rid of the Ten Commandments and basically get rid of Judeo-Christian philosophy, which is what made this country the greatest country in the world. And
2: so, Doctor, what do they yes. want? What do they want to replace it with? Is there another? Is there another theism, or is it just simple, you know, agnosticism or atheism that they they want to kind of rule over over the populace?
11: Well, uh, the countries that have gotten rid of God, like China and Russia, for example, uh, simply uh, replace the rules with the whim of the dictator. Uh, Germany in uh, the thirties and forties is another example of that. Uh, if you're in power and you want to change the rules, uh, if you're in power and you want to have more power, you can't have people obeying the old rules, which in this country say that the powerful have limited authority and that authority can't last very long. But if you want to have unlimited power forever, which is what Stalin had, what Hitler had, Mao, Mao Zedong had, then you just give it to the old rules and make up, and the rules are whatever i say uh, goes and that's just what tyrants do throughout history and uh so this is just a power grab and the, and the only way to get it to happen is for people to reject the faith that we've had since the beginning of this country and before and um attacking uh fetuses in the womb is is such a such a slap in the face to anyone who believes in in the, in the Bible, uh, is the best way to, uh, deconstruct what they consider to be the, um, the, uh, Christian belief system. Uh, if, quite frankly, if, if, you believe in the Ten Commandments and you believe, um, in Jesus Christ, uh, and you believe in uh, Christian, uh, philosophy, then the idea of abortion, uh, is just plain abhorrent. It's out of the question. Uh, it, it wouldn't even come up as a, as, as a rational thought. Um, and it's the same thing as uh, the fourth commandment honor thy father and thy mother now you have parents who are afraid to discipline their children um, once you once you indoctrinate the young which is what has been going on in, in public education in the United States for the last 30 to 50 years then everything changes and um, the old fade away and the new come around with the idea that uh, the old beliefs uh, were something were a construct is what they use they say it's a construct as opposed to fact, factual beliefs and laws given by God in other words they can't be violated and by violating those laws and seemingly get away with it you sort of say see there isn't a God we can do what we want well Hitler tried that and he got uh, he got shot in his own bunker for believing that uh, and so but they think they, they tyrants still think they can get away
2: with that because they don't believe in God. Uh, doctor, We are talking with Dr. Stephen Iacoboni. Uh, he is an author uh, and an award-winning doctor. Um, his latest book is Telos, The Scientific Basis for a Life of Purpose, which we're going to talk about. But um, almost everything you've talked about thus far, doctor, is uh, is religious-based. It's through the prism of religion. Let's bring science into the equation now because everything you said... You know, atheists are essentially using the the abortion issue and the abortion debate to attack Christianity and to attack God in general uh, to try to remove it. You use a lot of examples from history. But let's bring science into the equation now. How can those who are attacking pro-lifers based on religion and trying to remove, as you say, the commandments and so forth and remove their faith, how do they argue against the science that we now have, in particular, uh, about what a baby is? I mean, they can determine with very, very specific accuracy. When I say they, I guess I mean you, physicians, um, exactly when the central nervous system in a child is formed, exactly when the heart uh, is formed and begins to beat, exactly what uh, at what age of gestation or stage of gestation a child is viable at what what age it feels pain all of these things are so very well known 3d and 4d uh sonogram technology show us the babies in utero these are not clumps of cells these are not tumors these are not parasites tr- uh, trying to live off of a host that's the way the the left oftentimes to uh, tries to um dis- describe uh preborn babies these are human beings uh that have their own bodies uh, that are indeed connected to their mothers um, and and yet the science is ignored. They just say, "Ah, this is health care. this is a woman and her doctor deciding on what to do it 's kind of like if she has a mole on her skin. Yeah, you know the doctor and i 'll make decision on whether we should get it biopsied and removed or whether it 's benign and no big deal they 're talking about a baby as if it were just a health condition. So when does science get into the equation here as the left uses religion to try to defend Abortion.
11: Well, that is the key question. I'm so glad you brought it up. What very few people out, outside of the scientific world are aware of is that it is the, uh, the emergence of modern science since uh, the middle of the 20th century that has led the atheism movement. Uh, there have always been atheists, uh, just because people were sort of—because uh, they're suffering in the world and they don't understand it. Um, but it wasn't until scientists themselves thought that they had proven scientifically that God does not exist, that the that, that we see what we see now, the progressive movement, which is a euphemism for change-everything movement. Um, and it's based on this misguided notion— that since the discovery of DNA, uh, which claims that we are nothing but a cluster of molecules behaving according to the laws of chemical and physical science, that, that there is nothing about the behavior of life itself that requires a supreme being. It's just chemistry and physics. You it all goes back to that, but most people don't know much about chemistry or physics, uh, and they have the common sense to make the conclusions which you just described. Meaning, you see, this is a not a parasite. You see, this is a living thing inside a body, and it's obviously a living thing, and it has rights, and it is uh, it is purposeful. But the core fundamental axiomatic principle of atheism and progressivism is that science has shown that God does not exist, and it is the scientists themselves who have written books and given lectures and teach in the universities that they have disproven, scientifically, factually disproven, the existence of the God of Abraham. This is a lie. This is not true. It is done for different purposes. It is basically... Uh, removing the apple from the tree of knowledge and taking that knowledge into the hands of the human, and this is the original sin, and that is why society is suffering so much these days. In my book, I point out that this is not only a lie, but why it is a lie, and how to properly understand science so that you understand that science inexorably, inevitably, points straight to God.
2: Wow. Uh, phenomenal explanation. Uh, Dr. Iacoboni is the author of Telos, the scientific basis for a life of purpose. Uh, He once believed that atheism uh, was, was reality when he, which he was taught in medical school. He is now a Christian and has, uh, has opened up an entire new uh, chapter of his own life. It sounds like, and uh, uh, also opened up four cancer centers in the Pacific Northwest during your career. That's a phenomenal achievement, doctor.
11: Yes, it's been a wonderful career. Um, uh, I was the first medical oncologist in Eastern Washington back in 1986. And, uh, oncology way back then was primitive. We only had a few drugs. Uh, there wasn't much we could do, but most people know now that uh, cancer is everywhere and, and there are lots and lots of treatment options. And I found that I had administrative ability as well as scientific ability. And so, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a CEO who moves from one corporation to another after he's taken it as far as it will go. And so I've really enjoyed that part of my professional life.
2: Phenomenal. I have a
11: specific philosophy about healthcare, slightly unique actually, which is that you put the patient in the center of the experience and that the, the, the hospital, the doctor, the nurses, the pharmacists, the whole team has only one purpose, and that is to serve the patient. Um, unfortunately, a lot of what goes on, in healthcare today, not just in oncology but everywhere, Mm -hmm. uh, serves a lot of uh, purposes other than the patient, Uh, and um, I think that that, that healthcare needs to go back to its original uh, purpose and uh, function, which is patient first always
2: i love that philosophy and that seems to to be the the right way to go uh dr stephen iacoboni the author of telos the scientific basis for a life of purpose in this book he already answered a few of these things some of the lies promoted by atheist scientists but now he's going to teach you through this book how to use science to understand god's design rather than to falsely deny it doctor uh, i really appreciate your time thank you so very much uh very best of luck uh with the book uh and where can people get that book by the way
11: uh, you can go to discoverkelos.com. Uh, that's my website. Uh, or you can just use my name, s-t-e-p-h-e-n-i-a-c-o-b-o-n-i.com and you can order the book there. I also have a blog and you can email me with questions. Uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. It's a, it's a learning experience. I hope many people will decide to come of age and, and not let the scientists fool them because my book will teach them everything they need to know about the science of God.
2: Great stuff. And I've been saying, Telos, my apologies to you, Telos. Make sure that you pick that up. Dr. Iacoboni thank you so much for the time.
11: Thank you, Bob. Have a great
2: day. 11.28, time out now. Back after the news, AM 1420, The Answer.
10: Trending now
11: on alwaysright.us.
2: Take a look at the website, Always Right Radio is online at alwaysright.us. Lead stories of the day today that you will find on the website. Days until Biden surrenders U.S. sovereignty. Four. Surrendering U.S. sovereignty to the WHO. Click the banner headline, the marquee that is scrolling, and you will see the story updated daily on Dr. Peter Bregan's website. New record headline here, new record. Gas prices expected to surpass $6 a gallon nationwide by august according to jp morgan today it's a new record 458 national average uh daily wire story top of the news item panic inside the democrat party even their own internal push polling shows they are going to get swamped in november uh, in terms of the ohio house race for the majority in 2022 uh, the Biden, inf- or excuse me, Biden administration has decided to put Mary Poppins on ice. They have scrapped the Orwellian DHS Disinformation Governance Board. The Dow dropped 1,100 points yesterday. Its biggest decline since 2020 as the sell-off continues. The Dow is plummeting, as is everything else in this economy under the Brandon administration. USA Soccer has agreed to pay men's and women's teams equally, even though one team makes around triple the amount of revenue that the other one does. doesn't matter. You know, equity and all. New notes show the FBI agents misled the DOJ intentionally on the Trump-Russia investigation. That is from The Federalist. A terrific piece also in The Federalist on how the left has poisoned what it means to be healthy. Sports Illustrated has a morbidly obese um, model on their in a, in a bathing suit on the cover of their magazine, and it has sparked discussion about whether or not it's right to promote unhealthy living as a way of promoting body positivity. And finally, you will also see more on the Philadelphia school system touting radical transgender conferencing for their teachers, all to continue the indoctrinations. Those are just some of the stories. Oh, by the way, updating. Updating one of my favorite segments on uh, alwaysright.us. It's a segment called, uh, What Did This Idiot Just Say? The View's Sunny Host and has been up there for a little, little while. She is going to be replaced by the witness that the Democrats called yesterday for their abortion hearing.
9: What do you say a woman is?
8: I believe that everyone can identify for themselves.
9: Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions?
8: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yep, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, First, that, good evening that, and welcome. Yeah, shut up, Tucker. We didn't need to hear from you. Uh, yeah, that one is going to replace uh, Sonny Hostin as what did this idiot just say. Check it out for yourself at alwayswrite.us. Let's go back to the phones. Navy man Norm in Strongsville. Hey, Norm, thanks for your patience. Good, sir. You're on the air.
10: Bob, the definition of the word fetus you know, dates back to the 14th century Latin, and it means offspring and the burying of young. Now, I don't know what definition the left uses or those ignorant twits from a vow that were testifying before Congress, but the bearing of offspring, to me, in that sense, means human. In Psalm 139, there's a little statement, for you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Now, I don't know what it takes to get these people on the left to, quote, follow the science, to come back over the centuries, back thousands and thousands of years in any culture, any civilization, that the birth of a baby is a human life, whether it is in the mother's womb or outside the mother's womb. Now, from my standpoint, that woman who made comments about men being having babies, I would think that she would be a great replacement for Nina Jackowitz in the disinformation <laughs> governance board. I think she's a prime candidate. I wish you would do us one thing though. Anytime you play one of these segments, follow it up with that song, They're Coming to Take You Away. Ha ha. <laughs> They're coming to Take You Away. Bob, we're in a battle and there's two camps. It's it's plain as the as the nose on our faces. Good and evil. Nothing else. And that's what we're facing now. It's a fight between good and evil. We see it in the Congress. We see it in uh, the businesses. We see it in our churches. We are in a fight between two camps, yeah, good and I, evil.
2: I framed and it the what- exact same way, my friend, and thank you for the call. I, I framed it the exact same way, same way before when I talked about the moral high ground. by the way. <laughs>
0: and begged you not to leave because I told They're go coming sure. to
2: take me away indeed. I don't have time to get to the chorus because we're out of time, but I love the idea, my friend. That's how I feel most days. Thank you, Navy Man Norm. Thanks, everyone. Let's go, Brandon.